Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And this is the show where steel and soil meet, right? And a little, probably a little bit more than just steel and soil. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in today as I adjust my microphone and for spending the next, uh, I'm going to probably say 65 minutes or so. I'm going to try to put a limit on it, put a cap, right? A rev limiter on it. And bounce it off the rev limiter like in drag racing off the two-step. Right? If you don't know what a two-step is, then uh, what it does, it allows in drag racing, it allows two different maximum RPM for the engine to reach. So when you're staging on a trans brake, you could go up against a two-step. So let's say if it's set for 4,000 RPM, which is maybe the stall of the converter, then you just mat the throttle when you release the trans brake. The two-step shuts off. It, it limits the engine RPM. And that's why if you hear drag race cars staging, they sound like, like they're misfiring and popping and boop, pop and blowing smoke out. And as soon as you release that button, then away they go, right? And uh, away they go and they clean right out. of. You would tend to think that the plug would foul. The plugs would foul. But I guess if you, not I guess, if you have everything right, they could live on the two-step for a little bit. They can't stay in there for an hour. So that is what we're doing here. We're two-stepping it, right? But uh, let me see what I want to tell you. Hopefully, God willing, everything is is going well for you in your life and in your operation, and I mean that sincerely. And also, it's amazing how quickly we are coming up on Christmas, right? I remember years ago, my buddy Gene, who was a listener, we're best buds, that's why I talk about him so much, and uh, we ran his Firebird that we built at my shop in the Silver State Classic up in Nevada, uh, up in Nevada, out in Nevada. And that's an open road race. It's 92 miles. I don't know if they still do it. I think they do. But it was uh, really a lot of fun. And uh, they have a permit to close the road out in Nevada. I think it's Highway 318, like a small block Chrysler. And uh, and a Detroit Diesel, right? Remember when I was a kid, I used to see a Detroit Diesel 318. I thought it was a Chrysler motor. But <laughs> so uh, what do I know? I was a little kid, just knew 318. And uh, they have they have a permit to close the road. It's all legally done with the Nevada Highway Patrol. And then you race for 92 and 93 miles. I forgot what it is across the across the desert. But you're not racing like a NASCAR. They time you. I mean, you could catch another car. Another car could catch you and pass you. But it's not like you're going door to door. They uh, at the starting line. They time you. I think it was one minute apart or something. But anyway, the point that I'm getting at about approaching Christmas so fast is that you know when you're going 150, 160, 170 miles an hour, and it doesn't take long to cover a couple of miles. And Gene was driving, and I was the navigator, which meant he didn't sit there, he did nothing. But they gave you an itinerary for the course, so you're supposed to tell the driver, okay, in five miles, we're going to be coming up on some S-turns. And uh, and then, you know, in three miles, we're going to be coming up on a tight right-hand turn or what have you, which I did my best to do. But since none of neither one of us have ever did, ever, ever did that before, is that you don't realize how fast. So we say, oh, i got five miles to go to the S-turns. And all of a sudden, bing, you're right at the S-turns. But when you're going 150, 160, 170 miles an hour then or better, then that five miles trick goes off, comes by very quickly. 
And that's what happened. That's what's happening with Christmas. Boy, that's coming up very, very quickly, very quickly. And uh, it's a blessed time of the year. And for some reason, I don't want to say I'm not in the Christmas spirit because that would be disrespectful as a Christian because I'm always in the Christmas spirit, the birth of our Savior. But I don't know, the world has just changed so much. I mean, uh, whatever, I'm not going to go there because I go there every week and it's like a broken record, right? In Ukrainian, because we're of Ukrainian descent, and I, my Ukrainian is probably terrible because I don't, I know like three words. I don't know how to speak it, but my mother used to use a term, and whether it was a slang or whether it was actually, it was tasama, tasama. I mean, the same thing over and over again, like a broken record. So my, my she would say, my father, tasama, tasama, the same thing. I mean, that my parents were both born in the United States, but my grandparents were, or my four grandparents were from the Ukraine. So, uh, so it wasn't like I had uh, off the boat family. We were second, I'm second generation American and proud of it, baby. And uh, so Tassimap always complaining. Well, I'm going to do a little bit of complaining. I guess it wouldn't be idle chatter if I didn't complain. You say, what happened? That guy is not complaining about something today. So uh, I made my cheat list here so I know what to complain about. <laughs> I only have, let me see how many things, only three things on it to complain about. So, uh, First of all, <clears throat> the first thing on my complaining list, right, the popping of complaints that way, is that uh, I bought these, I bought two of them. It's from a company called K&H, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, <clears throat> I have to get my juice here, K&H, and they make pet products. So I bought two of these heated pet pads, and uh and I'm giving you this so it has some context. And they're nice soft pads, and they get they have some air in them, but it has a vent on it. And what you do is you plug the pad in in the house and you let it warm up for about a half hour with the vent open, and then you could control how much air is in there, and so and then you close the vent. It's got like a pushing vent, like on a like on a, a, a kid's uh, uh, tube that uh, that they'd use in a swimming pool. So anyway, so you do that, and then the and it's it uh, works off 120 volts line voltage, and I bought two of them, one for our cat. Well, she's a feral cat, quasi feral cat, Mimi. She's been, I'd have to say she's. <clears throat> let me see. My dad is gone, twelve years or thir- thir- twelve years will be thirteen years. I have to say Mimi is fifteen or sixteen at least 15 and possibly 16 years old and i could pet her i could pick her up i could rub her she jumps on my lap outside if i sit in the chair has zero zero interest of coming in the house zero and she's as agile as a kitten i mean no arthritis and god bless her she's wonderful beautiful beautiful cat we did uh we had we worked with the pet adoption league when she was younger we did a uh they did a trap neuter release so we trapped her we had her neutered and then we got her shots and everything and released her but she hasn't been to a vet for like 15 years. i'm not laughing well, the reason why i'm laughing is that sometimes you're better off not going to the doctor and to those listeners in the medical field i'm saying that with uh, the utmost of respect but anyway so she's getting older and uh i wanted to get her this heated pad 
to, to in a box to sleep on in the garage. She comes in, she sleeps in the garage. And uh, like I said, she will not come in the house. There's no interest whatsoever. She'll look and say, come on, Mimi, come on, Mimi. I try to pick her up, ring. She doesn't want to come in. So she sees the other cats come in and out, but she has zero interest in them. And it served her well. She looks wonderful. And uh, so I want to get that for her. And then my, if you if you are a listener to the show, you know that my other hen, Melania, died a few weeks ago. So now Tatiana, who's probably about 10 or 11 years old, not between 9 and 11, I would say, years old, is by herself and uh sadly and so i wanted to get her some sort of heating thing because she used to always sleep with melania and i didn't get them that this heating pad stuff before because because the girls would sometimes if they were on the roost it was useless and um so but now tatiana wants to sleep on the ground in the coop um i have a doghouse in the coop and uh, whatever i don't want to go through it again waste your time but anyway so she's she's um i might say it's actually a pen and then there's three coops in the pen so this one is a a plastic snap together doghouse i got years ago and she likes i have wood shavings in there and everything i'm going to put some insulation in the walls but uh so i bought the heating pad for her and uh, thankfully she loves it and it's supposed to regulate at 102 degrees <clears throat> so it's supposed to shut off at 102 degrees which is a supposedly the body temperature of most animals and the whole theory behind it is that it gives them a warm place to 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 sit on or roost on or lay on and the mimi loves her she i walk by she's laying on it purring here we have it in a cardboard box for her she likes this cardboard box so uh she's purring she was always a loud purr like a chainsaw she sounds but um uh, from what i could glean and what i could figure out for for what it's worth the theory is that you know hot goes to cold so if you, if the animal's laying on a surface that is approximately their body temperature or slightly above it, a degree or two above it then what will happen is that instead of the heat being the body heat going to a cold ground or a cold blanket or a cold whatever the roost or whatever it may be it's going to no it's 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 going to equalize it's gonna it's it's gonna reach equilibrium and then the animal stays much warmer because they're not losing their body heat <clears throat> which would make sense that's why we wear white coats in the winter time the coat isn't giving us heat the coat is not allowing our body heat to escape into the atmosphere so it's keeping us warm so anyway so i got this and thankfully uh tatiana the first night i had to put her on it and and then she walked around a little bit then she settled down and she loves it and and mimi loves hers so now me being who i am which i let you know tasamak right tasamak same thing over again that okay fine so they tell you it shuts off at 102 degrees but they don't tell you what the hysteresis is what it turns back on at so if it gets up to 102 and then it's gonna have then it cools off and has to come back on even if it's 101 degrees right it has to come back on it has to be some sort of hysteresis because if you have a thermostat that's on and off it's how is it going to maintain the temperature if it doesn't either has to stay on all the time then you get up 100 600 708 whatever but so unbelievable you would tend to think that i'm trying to get the uh the codes to what, the, what they call it, the nuclear nuclear briefcase <laughs> the launch codes or the nuclear suitcase whatever they call it that the president's supposed to have uh and uh you think i wanted missile launch codes 
the people were very, very nice. They obviously have just have talking points and have no idea. And so basically, I said, all I want to do, and I was very nice to them, I said, all I want to do is find out if it shuts off at 102 degrees, what is the temperature more or less that it turns on at? It turns back on it, that's all, right? Nothing. So it went from, nobody would say that they didn't know, which obviously they didn't. And so I said, look, I understand if you're not familiar with this because you have the talking points and just ask somebody in the company and just let me know. And um, then I got somebody from the company said to me that that's part of the patent so they can't reveal it. Well, first of all, every patent, if you want to look up, is 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 public is public uh, knowledge or public uh, what not knowledge? It's uh, public. Well, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. But uh, <clears throat> that's it's public information, right? You could look up the patent. And anyway, you know, this is not my first rodeo in life. You're not going to patent the temperature. You're going to not the hysteresis. You're going to patent the mechanism that evokes the heat if it is so patented and the control circuit you're not going to patent what temperature is because then if it's if it's a control circuit you could you could design it to do do anything just like you have a car it could go 50 miles an hour go 100 miles an hour so you're not patenting that so unbelievable unbelievable first they told me that it doesn't turn off it all stays on so I said, well, I plugged it into a meter that reads wattage because I want to know if it's working for the chicken. And uh, so, I, so I have it plugged into a meter in the garage with a wire running out to the coop, <clears throat> to the pen, excuse me. And uh, so I know when it's cycling because it's twenty, it's only 20 watts and it's, uh, it, it's right on the money between 19.8 and 20.2 watts. But uh, so, so, I, so I said, no, I said, it cycles. And then they came back, oh, yes, you're right, it does cycle. So it's so frustrating today because nobody knows anything and uh and the reason why i think that they don't know anything is not because they're incompetent <clears throat> excuse me or not because they're uh, not intelligent is because nobody makes anything today they all sub it out to china so so somebody who designed this uh whether american i'm sure an american guy designed it that they have to have a hysteresis, a turn-on, turn-off temperature. Excuse me, and uh, and it's 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 like I said, not missile missile launch codes. So, what are you going to do? Unbelievable, and that is the frustration even that I'm having with farm machinery, digest radio, farm machinery, digest uh, the website, the podcast. Is that I my whole goal is to have a transfer of knowledge. And you can't transfer knowledge if no one will share something with you. But they can't share anything with you if they don't know if they don't know anything. So basically, in essence, uh, respectfully, though the two customer or three customer service ladies I spoke to were very very nice and no disrespect to them whatsoever. But to me, their positions are useless because they have a script that they read from, and it has about three sentences to it. And no matter what you ask them, you get get those three sentences. So that basically is that that frustration next frustration is they did i I told you they were going to fix my house they did fix the roof so that roof the roof is done the back half so i got half a new roof and they were supposed to do the siding starting the siding next day well that never happened so the roof is done i have a dumpster blocking my driveway 20 yard dumpster and uh 
and it's uh, j- j- just basically amazing but the, the point that i'm getting at is that the contractor is a nice guy i mean whatever you see i mean uh, i'm not bad mouthing him but what this is sadly this is the third roof i've bought in my life all right when we built our house we had to we built a breezeway and we in the garage next to we modified the garage right to buy a roof then and then four years ago we put a new roof on our house which it really didn't need we had a leak by right from the since the house was new by the the flashing around the chimney and rotted some of the plywood and i really should have just fixed that had that fixed and pull off those sections because the way it is you can't see the roof even if you you'd have to go with a uh the, a drone to see it and you're not going to see the color the, the the color difference you know from new to old new to older and uh, but my attitude was hey i'll put a whole new roof on now this is just before covid he said god forbid i die my wife has nothing to worry about you get another 25 or 30 years for the roof and want to sell a house and take the money and go live in an apartment then let her do what's best for her she's got a new roof all right so somebody doesn't take advantage of her and so that was the second roof i bought uh and then this is the third roof because i got a half a roof because the tree fell through it all right so now none of the roofs roofs as my friend used to say none of the roofs roofs i bought did an american guy put on now i am not a xenophobe i am not anything right but the fact the fact of the matter is is that if you have a guy come a contractor and it says on his business card and on his truck xyz i won't mention any names all right i I like the guy he's a nice guy all right xyz roofing right roofing and siding and then all you basically do is sub it out and what they end up doing is they sub it out to these these well these people were ecuadorian i don't know what the other ones were for the other roofs none of them spoke english and like i said and it, well then you're not a roofer right they'd be like, they'd be like a, i'm a podcast i'm a radio no i don't do the show i got somebody else to the show i just blah, blah, blah. I, mean, I, said to the, I said to this guy so you know don't get don't take it the wrong way i said but your business card your truck says roofing and these aren't even your employees you sub it out to another contractor who doesn't even speak english and it's not even that it's not even and he doesn't speak spanish so i would love to have a a roof done at one particular point by americans and i you know it really is a point of contention with me is that you know they use the same crap excuse all time pardon my language oh americans don't want to work i don't believe yeah there's lazy people in every nationality in every group in every country but look at the agricultural company look at the i mean this yeah i mean there's there's always going to be late some lazy people but that's the excuse that everybody uses and so the thing is that so i said to this guy I said you're giving me a 10-year warranty on this right so like i'm not arguing with him I said I was under the impression that you're that you're going to do it, or your employees are going to do it, not that you're going to sub this out to a, so another contractor that doesn't even speak English. So it seems that the business model is in the construction trades today. That what you do is that you make up a business card, you paint up a truck, or get it vinyl leaded, and you say that you're a roofer, you're a carpenter, you this and that, and then you go around and like and you have and you find somebody to do it all right which is fine 
all right i used to have my friend larry did my machine work when i didn't built my engines i didn't have a machine shop but i made that so this is who does my machine work and i built the engines i designed them i put them together i measured everything so he actually cut the valves and bored the block and what have you to my specifications fine i understand that but these people are doing this and it's not even you know it gets back to like the uh the uh the heated pet pad nobody knows what time it what what temperature it turns back on on so now these people did the roof i feel very uncomfortable because i'm trying i'm out there watching them all right i mean what what do i know about roofing or i'm trying to count how many how many you know how many pops at a nail gun to see it putting how many nails in i don't know what they do. i i can't even speak to them they got no speaking there's no speaking english you know what i'm saying and the thing basically is i don't feel comfortable spending money for a roof and i can't even communicate with the people so it's just messed up it's a messed up situation and it's a and it's definitely uh not not what it should be as far as i am concerned next thing i'm going to complain about 21 minutes of complaining already is that in new jersey we have easy pass like a lot of states it's electronic you pay the toll and you have an account with them well i'll be very quick i'll talk quickly charlotte went about a month or so ago to meet her cousin for lunch and her cousin mark lives down south jersey we live up north jersey so they meet at halfway place it's about an hour and a half for each one which is fine great there's a restaurant there they like to go to so she has to go in the garden state parkway one exit on the garden state park which is about a half a mile and the garden state parkway is a toll road so that one exit now on the garden state parkway costs a dollar 45 to go one exit about a mile fine okay fine whatever it is it is i'm not worried about that all right the toll booth because there's no toll collectors it's all electronic did not read her easy pass which is very very common all right with the rate of traffic i don't know get some interference didn't read her easy pass so the other day get a letter in the mail and what they would basically usually do is do nothing they would just they would read your license plate because they take a picture in new jersey take a picture of every car that goes through the toll booth so what happens is that they take a picture and they send you a picture it was my wife's escape i you know i know that but you can't i can't read the license plate in the picture but anyway and what they used to do is that okay they would bill your easy pass account a dollar 45 because it didn't read so i get this letter in the mail the other day when they're doing my roof with the people i don't that i can't even communicate with and uh i open it up i said oh it must be whatever well they her, her easy pass didn't read they told us a dollar 45 they're charging me because the cars registered to me a 50 dollar fine for their easy pass not reading now as i understand it, let's say you came here from iowa and you went on that road what they would do is they would take a picture of your license plate and they would send you a bill in iowa all right for a dollar 45 with a with a small small service charge or maybe three dollar service charge for doing that so the toll costs you four dollars let's say in 45 cents or whatever it may be then cost you 51.45 so now because they if you, if they know that i'm have a registered easy pass because they they send me a letter all right a bill then they should take off so basically in essence a guy from iowa goes through for a dollar 45 a person who has an easy pass and it messed up because their easy pass did not read they're charging me 51 dollars and 45 cents to go one exit about a mile on the garden state parkway 
and they wonder why the people don't want to live here. So now you can't get a hold of them on the telephone. You cannot get a hold of them. So they give you a form. I put it in the dispute form, and then they threaten you that they're going to cancel all your registration. State of New Jersey is going to cancel all your registrations if you don't pay the $50 fine. I'm afraid to go anyplace now. Every time I go someplace that they go on the, for, for over a bridge or something in New Jersey, they can charge me $100? Crazy. All right, it's, it's it's unbelievable. The world is out of control. Quickly, all right, before we get into the topic of today, which is pissed and soak. A uh, couple of other quick things is that uh, <clears throat> uh, precision planting technologies, which makes well, well planting, uh, e- I, I should say, d- equipment, for lack of better words, for for planters <laughs> obviously precision planting technologies they're having a work they're having uh in january they're having workshops all around the country and uh there and there's one thankfully in pennsylvania in harrisburg pennsylvania january 17th and the same class january 18th so i am attending that class in january 17th in harrisburg pennsylvania and longtime listener and friend very good friend of the show i did a on the road podcast with him justin foresee he is going to meet me there in the tent so so we're going to go to this precision planting seminar which is free and usually give you a nice lunch too but anyway so my invitation to you is that to my audience so if you happen to be in the harrisburg pennsylvania area or within an hour a couple of hours from there and you are interested in attending that seminar and then hanging out with justin i may have called him jason by mistake <laughs> which is a lot of people that justin and and myself at this and, and and enjoy this seminar and learn something please feel free to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and i will send you the link to register the, the class is free and we could all get together and have a good time i don't expect anybody much to come to this from my show because of the scope of the audience but keep in mind that if you live someplace else which obviously you do that these seminars are going around on those same couple of days all around the country so if you do uh you say well i live in oklahoma all right but i'd like to go then i will be more be glad enough to send you the link to register for a class that is close to you but i would love to have you and i'm very very honored that justin is going to come down there and we're gonna we're gonna attend the class together and then the other thing i want to tell you is that i always i spoke to him the other not justin i spoke to bruce the other day he told me how to pronounce his last name properly which i i am not doing he's got to write it for me phonetically but anyway so i'm going to call it jack Bork house but he said it's not that way i thought it was but what happened was that i i reached out to james condon and james has a great youtube channel james j-a-m-e-s-c-o-n-d-o-n and he fixes generators and everything he fixed my briggs and stratton and found the the reason why it doesn't charge and and i had lent him when he was working on my generator that i had bought a a meter to read total harmonic distortion and so bruce has he's up in uh i believe rhode island or new hampshire he must be insulted because i always get a state mix mixed up over there so anyway i think he's in rhode island but uh so uh he's up there in new england we're called new england right cover my rear end and uh so 
he has a Generac whole house generator, backup generator, turns on automatically. And uh, so I was always curious about the total harmonic distortion and the output of that. So he's going to do a test for me. So James Condon, so it's James Condon YouTube channel. So I reached out to James. He still has my total harmonic distortion meter, my amp probe meter. And because uh, I told him, hold on to it. And when, you, when I need it, you, you send it back to me. So he sent my meter to, to Bruce and i made a test simple test protocol for bruce and what i'm going to do is see what the what the what the line voltage the hertz and the distortion from his power company is versus what his generator is putting into the house and then i asked him to do a no load into the house and then to stair step the load to maximum load i think he has a 20 or 25,000 k kilowatt generac whole house generator runs on propane so i will share that information with you because everything that i have tested so far has been portable generators and i'm very interested to see and i will share that with you both on the podcast and the radio show so i guess i got all my complaining a half hour's worth of complaining today so now what we're going to talk about is i'm just going to get a drink of juice here excuse me we're going to talk all the right another another 28 seconds it'll be 30 minutes of complaining sorry about that but i'm going to talk about piston soak and you know years ago when you talk to an old time mechanic mechanic slash farmer farmer mechanic or just a mechanic they used to tell you that they used to say hey your engine's all carboned up and then you got to drip some water down the carburetor. There was no fuel injection back then. You got to drip some water down the carburetor and take a, get rid of the carbon. And if you did that properly, you did not blow the engine up, right? Hydro lock, if you did properly. And what it would do is it would remove a lot of the carbon from the piston crown and possibly the combustion chamber if there was some carbon deposits there but I've spoken about this before, that usually carbon deposits on a gasoline engine form in two different areas. They call it IVD, intake valve deposits, and CCD, combustion chamber deposits. But the combustion chamber deposits are predominantly on the crown, which is the top of the piston, and then off the side to the ring, the ring land, which is the area before the top, before the first ring, the top ring, and then in that region. And what and what old time mechanics did is they knew that the engine was carboned up from the way it ran and the lack of power, and they would have the engine on a fast idle, and they would drip through. Some everybody had their own theory on how to do it, and then some guys used to drip uh, ATF automatic transmission fluid into the carburetor, and in essence, what that would do, for a lack of better terms, like I said, if you didn't blow up the motor by flooding it by doing too much with it is that you would go and you would remove some of the carbon but what it did is it actually hammered it was like a jackhammer because uh, because the liquid is, is 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 incompressible so what it would do is the piston would come up and then the liquid would hit and then there was a bunch of dynamics with the heat and the steam release and what have you and and it would break the carbon off and it would burn 
burn off. So it would, so you would fracture, like cracking an egg. And then if one piece broke off, then maybe another piece would break off or whatever. And, you, and it was, it was, it was, I don't want to say partially effective. It was effective, but you weren't just going to drip one drop of water and do that and take that carbon off. So for lack of better terms, it would jackhammer hydraulically through the dynamics of the water turning to steam and being incompressible before it turned to steam and it would jackhammer the carbon off. It really did nothing as far as the intake valve deposits were concerned. It would just go and take the carbon off the piston crown. So so that was a common phenomenon. Now what you need to need to recognize is that that gasoline like diesel fuel but gasoline the dynamics are a little bit different is a hydrocarbon based fuel and when it burns it will create carbon deposits the whole the whole goal is to minimize the the formation of those carbon deposits and if they are if they do form to remove them because they're going to affect how the engine runs and specifically on the intake valve and then uh, more prominently on the intake valve than on the piston crown, but definitely on the piston crown also. And uh, the, the way I used to teach this is like you would brush your teeth, right? So you brush your teeth a number of times a day, hopefully. And then every six months or a year, you'd go to the dentist and he would clean your teeth or she would clean your teeth or whatever, right? So if you didn't clean, if you didn't brush your teeth, then then the uh, you'd have a lot of buildup on your teeth. It would be very hard for the dentist to get it off, for the hygienist to get it off. And they have different tools. They scrape, they use ultrasonic, they use water, what have you, high-pressure water, and they're trying to clean that off of your teeth right and i can never remember whether it's tartar that turns to plaque or plaque that turns to tartar but whatever so now <clears throat> the thing is that with, a, with an engine you want to you want to minimize the amount of deposits by brushing your teeth right by, so brushing your teeth so the thing is that and the way you minimize the amount of deposits is the way the engine runs the way you use it and then you put a treatment in the gasoline which they did not have years ago so what they used to basically do is instead of brushing your teeth and trying to keep the deposits at bay and just have it mind and then clean have the dentist clean it scrape it off or clean it off they would do nothing and then they would have to take a jackhammer which is the dripping of the water or the transmission fluid into the car to try to hammer it off the piston which will hammer it off your teeth right so making that analogy of against of, of cleaning your teeth but then what had happened was that general motors and maybe other companies but general motors was the most successful because that was the old generals they were fantastic oh my god i love them the old gm all right they were uh, so wonderful wonderful companies uh, proud to be the american company but anyway so what they did is they developed an engine uh, engine a chemical called top engine cleaner now it's called something else but then again just like my k and h pet mat heated pet mat that i can't figure out nobody knows what the temperature turns back on after it cools off that which is amazing amazing uh or that somebody who says has the truck says roofer doesn't have not a roofer they just sublet everything out so uh the thing that the the thing is that this product always was for 40 years was called gm 
top engine cleaner and then they changed it to something else and fuel injection cleaner and now just before i recorded this show i did an internet search for what that is worth and now it's supposed to be back to gm top engine cleaner so who knows all right that's really technical the important thing that you need to recognize about this and supposedly it's available on amazon i wouldn't trust amazon but anyway but that's me is that if you go to a gm dealer any gm dealer could be pontiac well only pontiac gmc and chevrolet i mean pontiac cadillac gmc and chevrolet are left there's nothing else anymore is that and you go to a you go to the parts department then and you have somebody that hopefully has a tinge of gray hair in their in their on their head because if they don't they'll probably look at you like you're from mars and the thing is that they don't have to be a full head of gray hair tinge of gray hair, and say i want the gm top engine cleaner or the equivalent and you buy this this chemical and now this chemical can be used as a piston soak and what is important about that and that's what we're going to discuss today is it allow you to very efficiently chemically remove the carbon from the piston the ring land and also free up the top ring if it's getting stuck because of gum from from carbon and from poor maintenance let's say you bought a used vehicle all right and uh used tractor gasoline tractor and uh or just gummed up from cheap oil so this piston soak chemical works very well and i like to use the liquid because it used to be in a liquid and aerosol supposedly it's still the same way i don't know just get the equivalent of the gm top engine cleaner whatever they call it today all right and you could get it from any gm dealer in the parts department if they have or worth their salt so now this product is is excellent is excellent that is other products that are on the market like i did business years ago with a company called run right cat products and they actually had a tool that you could hook up to manifold vacuum and they had their own product which is probably gm top engine cleaner and uh you poured in this bottle and you you dripped it in through the intake and very 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 effective but what i want to talk about is piston soak today all right so we and what piston soak means is that you're removing on a gasoline engine this could be a lawnmower engine or it could be whatever a big block chevy it makes no difference right or anything in between an old john deere tractor old ford tractor what have you is that you remove the spark plugs and you put you put the you well you want to try to get the you want to try to get the pistons you obviously if a multi-cylinder engine you can't get them all on top that center but you remove the spark plugs and then you take some means whether it's a funnel or a tube however application specific right so like if it's my old ford nine end tractor it's underneath the cowl you got to make like a tube and you get and you gain access to the piston right through that and you take about two ounces of this product and you pour it on the top of each piston 
So it's, I think it used to be a 16 ounce can. So if you did two ounces, then right, you, you two ounces, you could do an eight cylinder engine, two ounces, more or less two ounces a piece. And what you want to base, what you want to do, your goal is to cover the top of the piston with a puddle of this chemical. Now, some people tell you, well, you could use this and this and that and what have you, the sea foam or something else or what have you. And the thing based, what's important is that not all carbon release chemicals work cold. They need, a lot of them need, like for instance, like Tecron, which is an excellent product, does an excellent job of removing carbon, both intake valve, IVD, CCD, combustion chamber, and from the injectors, all right, but it needs heat for it to be activated. So if you pour Tecron in or Seafoam or something in that uh, and pour it in the piston, it's going to do absolutely nothing, nothing whatsoever because it needs the heat from combustion to activate. It's like laundry detergent needs to have a certain temperature of water to activate. That's what you say, cold water all, right? So it activates in cold water. Regular detergent needs, I think, 68 or 70 degree water to activate, but don't hold me to that. And we have well water, so it's 56 degrees. Well, that's what they claim. So anyway, so what you're going to do is you're going to take the spark plugs out. You're going to pour about an ounce or two. You want to cover the top of the piston. Then you're going to put the spark plugs in very loose. You don't have to tighten them. Just you don't want to get in the cylinder. You're using it as a plug to plug the, the cylinder so not the dirt and something gets in there. And then you're going to let the stuff soak. The longer you let it soak, it's like fine wine or cheese. The longer you let it soak or age, the more effective it's going to be. So this is not going to be something you're going to pour it in there, have a cup of coffee, and then get and, and be done. The, because the whole idea is that the GM top engine cleaner will leach in and loosen up the carbon and you want it to soak into that carbon so you want that carbon on the piston crown and around the top ring uh to become saturated with the with this product so let's say the the longer you could let it sit the better is but i would say probably if you let it sit for a day 12 to 20 well 12 hours is not a day 12 to 24 hours then that's probably the most efficacy that you will find. If you let it sit there for a week, it's probably not going to do much more than it did after 12 to 24 hours. So the thing is that usually, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours. So let's say you did it in one afternoon, and you say, well, the next afternoon I'm going to start the engine or what have you. So what is going to happen now is that this the carbon is going to leach into this top engine clean little carb top engine cleaner is going to leach into this carbon and it's going to chemically attack it it's going to loosen it up right but some of it is going to it's going to work past the rings and if it works past the rings then it's going to obviously clean the ring land because remember the ring land area on the piston is what they call a crevice region and a crevice region by definition that's why you want to put at least two ounces in there because you want to fill that crevice a crevice region is where the charge which is the air and fuel could go but the flame cannot go and that is why the top ring has the propensity if you're not if the engine isn't running right or you use bad oil in it cheap oil to gum up so you want that crevice region and the top of the piston to become wet with the gm top engine cleaner so then let's say you come back the next day 
then what you want to do is you want to pull the spark plugs back out that are only loose and you want to disable the ignition all right you want to disable the ignition because you don't want anything to spark because it's combustible and then what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to tap the key like that like you this is excuse me my nose is whistling for some of you you can understand this for some of you you're gonna think i'm talking about a flying saucer you want to tap it like you want to get the points the rubbing block of the points on the cam in the distributor all right so you want to tap 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 and what you're going to do is you're going to take the piston and it's going to come out so not come out so the piston is come to top that center and any liquid that did not get absorbed into the carbon excess liquid or leach past the rings into the oil pan is going to be pushed out because you don't want to hydro lock this engine if you don't do that you're going to hydro lock this engine you don't want to and you want to you don't want to go and throw it out all over the place you want to just tap it out so it doesn't make a mess all over because the stuff is corrosive you don't want it all over your paint and all over the place so the thing is that you did that now the next step is going to be to put the spark plugs back in the engine put that all back together and you're going to get underneath the engine and you're going to drain the oil and i would say change the filter also so you could time this procedure when you're ready for an oil change because you do not want this product to be 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 circulating through the engine as far as uh diluting your oil because it does not going to have any lubricity so you want to drain the oil change the filter now you put your fresh oil in your fresh filter and then what you basically do is you have your ignition system hooked back up and you go and you start the engine normally now your telltale here is going to be how much does it smoke if you have no carbon in the engine let's say you did with a brand new engine no carbon in the engine then the the amount of smoke was you're going to get some smoke all right because it's laying in there it's going to burn off and and it's going to be minimal smoke longer the engine smokes from the exhaust like an old oil burner and you'll smell it that means the more carbon the engine had but most importantly and a lot the more that got leached in and got saturated into the carbon and is burning off so you're going to start this engine if the engine has a lot of carbon in and you left the product in there long enough for it to be efficient then it's going to smoke like an old crop dust all right and then what you'll want to do is you'll want to start the engine up let it run for a minute or so whatever there's no specified amount of time and you want to take the take the vehicle whether it's a farm tractor whether it's a combine the truck whatever and you want to take it and you want to put it under some load so if it's a road vehicle you want to take it out on the road and jump on it all right you don't have to go 100 miles an hour you want to jump on it and get the heat up in the cylinder you want to get the piston velocity out up and then you want to burn you're going to actually burn off this carbon and there's the difference you're not going to be taking chunks and trying to send it out the tailpipe you're going to be burning it off and depending upon how effective your procedure was and how much carbon you made this thing and the smoking is going to go down and down and down and down eventually the visible smoke eventually eliminate all right and you'll smell a little bit in the exhaust this is the most effective way for you to chemically with the clean carbon deposits off a piston crown and also do the ring land the, the ring land area and that top ring 
from the engine. <clears throat> and then then what I would like to follow that up with, with a good in-tank cleaner like Tecron or Seafoam or something else. There's other products. I, If you've listened to my show, you know I'm a Tecron guy. And the Tecron will now attack the intake valve deposits and it will also work to clean whatever carbon was left. And you will be surprised what a difference this is going to make. Now, you could do this on a lawnmower engine. You could do this on a snowblower engine. You could do it on a seed tender engine. You could do it on anything. But you have to recognize where the cylinder head is on an, on that engine so if you have the have a lawnmower engine if you were to take the spark plug out right and then and pour pour the top engine cleaner you're not going to wet that whole piston because because it, because of the angle of the piston is going to be parallel with the ground so when i do like a snowblower engine or a uh, or a chainsaw engine you don't have to change your own chainsaw. Chains you want, and then obviously use you know, use your own judgment. If you ever doing a lawnmower engine, you're not going to put two ounces of chemical in there like you would with a a, a, a three fifty Chevy motor or four four sixty Ford, right? Because the bore is smaller. But the theory is all the same. So what I do is that if I want to do a lawnmower engine, I just jury rig up something. And then I, I'm not going to take the motor, the engine off the lawnmower and set it up on a workbench. So by the handle, I'll just jury rig with a chain or with a with a uh, uh, a tie down strap, and hold the lawnmower so that the spark plug is facing up. And then you could pull the spark plug out and then let the lawn because you have it secured with a rope or with a with the with something a rope or chain or or a <clears throat> ratchet strap and then let it sit overnight and you're going to do the same thing then you're going to dump the oil out of it and you're going to start it up and you can let it run and you're going to do a chainsaw do the same thing hold have the chainsaw positioned all right so that the spark plug <coughs> is is vertical instead of horizontal and you could do the same thing you will be surprised how effective this is and if you treat the gas afterwards whether it's a two-stroke or whether it's a four-stroke and you treat the gas afterwards obviously on a two-stroke you have reed valves you're not going to have popping valves excuse me but you're going to have carbon deposits in other parts of the cell of, of the engine and uh you're going to follow the same procedure. So if it's a two-stroke, you're going to want to have the ignition off, and then you want to just pull the ropes gently to get whatever whatever liquid was out of the cylinder, and then you will go and you will start the engine and let it burn off. So that is the old, so that is the piston soak method. Now keep in mind that there is a lot of modern engines that build a ton of deposits. So this is like we're going back old school, right? So as much as things change, they remain the same. Whereas this is something years ago people used to, you know, use the drip, the carburetor, I mean, the transmission fluid or the water, and that today's engines are probably have have just as much or more propensity of building deposits as they did years ago, even though the composition of the gasoline has changed and a lot of things have changed. But this is a very easy procedure. I'll repeat it. You're going to remove the spark plugs. You're going to get the chemical. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and on a V-shaped engine, you know what's going <coughs> to happen 
is that you may not be able to cover the whole piston because it's a v-shaped engine you're not going to put a gallon of stuff in each bore so you do the best you can right then that's why i like to follow it up with and, and let it have a good saturation time and do the best you can and what you'll find is like trying to like trying to scrape paint off the old porch in the farmhouse right that if you let the other parts soak and even though part of the piston didn't really get wet the thing is that once the carbon starts to come off and burn off lots of times those other pieces will burn off also because just like scraping paint with a torch on the on, a, on a, we used to scrape the scrape the uh all the porch when i was a kid on the farmhouse right and my father would give me a, a burns matic torch and then we but you don't burn the house down don't burn the house i just put a little heat on it so you'd have the torch in one hand and you'd be scraping in the other hand with the paint scraper right in the other hand so uh and if you follow that up with an in-tank fuel cleaner this is a wonderful preventive maintenance all right uh the thing is it's it's depending upon how hard it is to get to the spark parts in that particular engine is the hardest part of this job all right and as i said if you if you time the procedure this service procedure with a oil change and you're not wasting the oil you're not wasting that and you need to have that saturation time and believe it or not a lot of engines have have problems with that i mean you <clears throat> years ago hondas honda accords believe it or not you would take a honda accord it'd be running fine and you'd shut the engine off and uh come home let's say from work shut the engine off i'm not laughing and you would go and you'd go to start it the next morning and it would it would act like the timing belt broke have no compression wouldn't run and the valves used to stick in the head and the guides and honda's procedure and there's a lot of cars a bmw whatever <clears throat> procedure is to go to a gm dealer honda had a service both of them go to a gm dealer buy the top engine cleaner and do a piston soak on it right so the thing is that so you say well it's piston soak how is it gonna i think the fumes would get into the into the the uh as it would gas the, the top engine cleaner would get into the valve uh, guide area and just burn, burn off enough of it and then the combustion would burn off enough of it and you would do that to a honda it would start right up all right and do everything that i said <clears throat> so that is a very good procedure for you to become aware of the chemical used to be very inexpensive it's like most things it's four times the price now it's not going to break the bank uh they do offer it in an aerosol can uh i don't think that that's an effective way to use it maybe if you do a bunch of small engines it's an effective way to do it because then you could just spray it in there spray some in there wet the piston have the engine so the spark plug is vertical and then spray it in that soak uh but if you have engine of any of size a bore of any size and consequence then you'll go broke with the but you can do that if you want and you know, you have an old gasoline farm tractor you have an old lawn not even have to be that old you have a lawn tractor you have a pickup you have a grain truck irrigation pump whatever it may be you could do this on a 2023 engine there's no reason why you can't do it because the dynamics of the carbon deposits forming and and affecting the way the engine runs as is all the same the only thing is at this particular point i would tend to hope that the 2023 engine does not have enough deposits built that you need to actually soak the piston but keep in mind 
that if you're very good with an in-tank product, let's say like Tecron, or since the since the engine is new, right, then you don't have to do this, all right, because you're, you're just like brushing your teeth. That's why I made that analogy in the beginning. It's like brushing your teeth, and when you go to the dentist, he doesn't have that much work to do. But if you have something that you were not good about that for whatever reason, no excuse, no need to make excuses, then you will find that this will be a wonderful, wonderful procedure. And I remember, and also a lot, it gets rid of a lot of engines that have a propensity to detonate, to knock, all right? So it's a messy procedure. The hardest part about it on a modern engine is getting to the spark plugs, all right? And, uh, but other than that, and don't forget to let it soak, bump the key around, have the ignition killed, bump the key around, uh, and then push whatever liquid is out, dump the oil, have the spark plugs back in, start it up, let it, let it smoke. The more it smokes, the more carbon you had and the more efficient, efficient the operation is of burning it off and take it for a ride or put it under a load. If it's a farm tractor, put it under some load, maybe put like a, a bat wing mower on it, and it'll, it'll definitely smoke and uh so uh, it'll definitely smoke and then take it up and down the road jump on it on the field jump on it get that heat up get that velocity up and you'll be surprised what a difference it would make so this is basically old school new school right is that we still have deposits forming and uh this the, the detriment of those deposits are just as valid as it was 50 60 years ago and this is a very safe, efficient way for you to remove those deposits. You're not taking the engine apart. You're not doing anything. And even if you want to do it with a spark plug change, you say, oh, I'm going to change the spark plug. I'm going to do this, right? But you are going to have to let, tie up the engine for, I would say, at least 12 hours of soaking. If you're not going to dedicate that time to do it, then probably you're wasting your time and your money unless the engine is so easy to get the spark plugs out to. Or, and, and you say, well, I'll do it two or three times instead of one time and I'll just do it, let it soak for an hour or two. But if you do it properly, it's going to work out very, 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 very well. So I want to thank you so much for listening and tuning in today. I want to thank you for putting up with my Tassama, right? Tassama. I, gotta, I don't even know if that's really in Ukrainian because my family used to make up their own words, half Ukrainian, half English. But Tassama, my complaining. And please know that I just wish that the world was different. I wish that a guy who did roofing <laughs> says the roofing actually did roofing and had a roofing crew. I'm not expecting to go up there by himself. All right, not sublet it out to people who don't speak English. And like I said, I'm not being as um, I'm, I'm not being a xenophobe or anything. But it makes the customer very uncomfortable when you when you're trying to when you're spending thousands of dollars with someone that has no idea what the heck you're talking about. And uh, I wish that uh, companies would say, hey, this is not a top secret question. If the thermostat shuts off at 102, what does it evoke back on? And I hate when people BS me, all right? If you, I'd rather have somebody tell me, I don't want to tell you. Instead of telling me, well, it's part of the patent, we can't talk about it when a patent is public record, right? So it's, and just remember, if you want to go to the PTI class, precision, not precision, to, yeah, precision planting class in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, January 17th, reach out to me. 
You could register. God forbid something happens. You can't make it. No big deal. There's no cost for the class. And you could meet. You could hang out there, hopefully with Justin and myself. And we could have a good time. And we could learn about some new planting technologies. You have a blessed, blessed day. And just remember, if you have an easy pass and it doesn't read in New Jersey, it costs you $51 or $0.45 to go a half a mile on the Garden State Parkway. You have a blessed day, and God willing, catch you next week. Bye-bye.